0: Good morning. Welcome to The Bigger Picture. Well, the arms race for AI chatbots is heating up. So Microsoft just announced overnight that it is going to be integrating the open technology behind ChatGPT into the Bing search engine as well as its browser, Edge. And this is just right after Google announced its own Bard. And of course, in the mix is Chinese search giant Baidu, Coming out with the Ernie Bot. So bots these days will be able to help you write essays, compose music and come up with jokes if you really want to. So that's all part of the tech scene that could be the future of what investors can look out for. And of course, we have many post-COVID trends playing out that we'll be watching for this year. Let's check in with Christopher Forbes. He is the head of CMC Invest Singapore. Morning, Chris. How are you doing today? You so? i'm doing great as well chris now let's talk about what they've been seeing making headlines these days these chat bots and just to start have you tried chat gbt yet chris
1: of course look in our industry we have to know what's going on especially from an ai or even just broader technology perspective um i think microsoft look microsoft first of all have a an incredible m&a history so if you look at what they bought with fitbit Uh, They own YouTube, and they were very early into that game. Um, They own Android. Um, This looks like another very good acquisition. And ultimately, they're very behind, right? They're about 8% of um, search engines globally, whereas Google's about 88%. So it gives you a sense, or 84%, if you look uh, widely. I think um, this is a brilliant acquisition for them um, to catch up to Google effectively. But I don't think it means the end for Google. I think that Google... Will will play catch up. Um, they've already announced their own acquisition, a three hundred million dollar acquisition for about ten percent of a business called Anthropic, mm. and they have a bot called Claude. Behind the scenes, Google were already working on a, a language modeling dialogue application overtakes a business, and they've effectively called it Bard, Apprentice Bard. And we know that Bard is better than Mina. Mina was their previous bot that didn't make it. I fully expect Google to come out and really, really uh, take on Microsoft again. Uh, For me, this is much like the space race. You saw Elon Musk. Uh, Bezos and Branson all fighting to go to space first I think that all you see here is Google ramp up their ability to look at AI and and let's face it layering of code as opposed to true AI and really take on being now.
0: Yeah, Chris, this is promising a lot of things like um, how you can search for deeper meanings into your uh, stuff. Like if you look for a recipe, it can give you substitutes for your ingredients and tell you what might happen if you change those ingredients. So it's that deeper meaning. But I'm just wondering as well, it's creating so much buzz these days, anything to do with AI chips or anything to do with the AI space, you've got those stock prices going up. And also, I'm wondering as well, in terms of the monetization of these technologies, we've seen Meta trying to do the Metaverse. Is this going to be similar where you've got something you've got to invest in for a long time in terms of KPEX and expenditures before you see those returns?
1: hundred percent. I think all of these investments are long-term investments now. I don't think there's that silver bullet. I mean, unless you're ChatGPT, GPT, which, you know, they've built that um, not cheaply, but look, they've had in overnight success. It's the silver bullet for them, but for Microsoft to monetize a $10 billion investment. Um, look, Google have done it very well, but they've got such a good moat around that business that I don't see this being an overnight success. Um, I do think they will take, um, market share from, from, um, from Google uh, in terms of, you know, that 8 9%, could it go to 12%, 13%? Very easily. And look, so some of the... Google effectively changed the way uh, to monetize search engine optimization or SEO. That, Microsoft will catch up to um, very quickly, but mm. it's still not the death of Google, if I can put it like that.
0: Right, we're with Christopher Forbes. He is the head of CMC Invest Singapore. And one of the trends that you're noticing as well is what's playing out post-COVID. So you've got your eye on what's called employee activism. Basically, you've got more employees voicing out what they want, more perks, more <laughs> benefits. But this seems to be in conflict with what we're seeing these days. These tech companies, which have been offering some of these benefits, cutting back, layoffs, no, no more free lunches. Yeah,
1: so look, it's a really um, juxtaposing position. right? We're seeing tech layoffs. And look, I think a lot of this I'll just change this slightly the narrative slightly. I think a lot of this is to do with inflation and uh, corporate earnings. I think do I think employee activism is real? Yes, but I don't think it's a negative. I think it in many aspects it's, it's a real positive. Employees have got a little bit more power and are voicing concerns around let's say let's call it working from home. Um, but some of the trends I'm seeing around going cashless and wanting a bit more work-life balance, like they're brilliant trends in a post-COVID world. I think the biggest trend, uh, and importantly to this audience, is, is the impact of inflation. Um, my personal view is that this is not a financial crisis as we know. it. a past financial crisis. We've raised rates to curb or starve off inflation. This isn't really that same crisis. This is a de-globalization fallout from China and Russia and the impact on the supply chain. So unlike financial crises, you can just raise rates and start Mm. start the oxygen. What we're seeing here is effectively 40 years of unwinding globalisation. So we've effectively exported our inflation to China for 40 years in in exchange for cheap labour and production. We're now seeing that being unwound post-COVID. So I actually think that the biggest argument or the biggest discussion post-COVID should be about living with inflation for a long period as opposed to hiking rates and getting it back to zero. I don't think that happens uh, in the next
0: few years. Yeah, Chris, it does suggest there is a structural change underway and pointed out a very good um, indication of what's happening in terms of globalisation, deglobalization, with supply chains becoming more contained, like the US trying to set up its own places in terms of some of the technologies just to keep it more secure. And China also doing the same when it comes to some of these technologies. So we've got all these supply chains becoming duplicated to some extent so that's going to raise prices capex and of course if you talk about inflation that will just mean it's not going to end as soon as we hope
1: correct so look, again if i look at the audience and singaporeans in general if you look at like a five hundred thousand dollar hdb mortgage a year ago you were paying about two thousand three hundred dollars in 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 um mortgage. Today, that's about 3,300, so about a 43% jump. And I suspect if CPI, um, which printed last week, which is over 6% in Singapore, continues, then you're looking at around a 55% increase on last year. So the real pain in the economy is effectively in higher costs of credit, which effectively has an impact on how consumers behave and how they spend and and, and saving rates globally. So Is hiking rates the answer? It's a very different crisis. It will eventually work. But at what cost? I think that the government globally have not really thought about the true impact of the cost of raising mm. rates. I think ultimately we end up in a recession. And I think we're probably in that already, but we're just there's a lag effect from people saving into mortgages, which we've not seen play out yet.
0: Yeah, that's something to watch out for down the road. And talking about what to do in terms of um, investor portfolio allocation, what should investors be doing with this backdrop of inflation, you no know, highest um, costs of living, where should they be looking right now?
1: Great. So look, I think in the short term, There are businesses or sectors that really benefit from inflation, right? So freight, uh, commodities, travel. I mean, travel also benefits from the China reopening story. Financial services, you know, effectively trade off NIM. And we've, you know, they've not had a NIM for the last 10 years. So this is a great time to look at some good financial services businesses. Look, I actually like US investment grade yield here. I think for the first time, you're seeing a reasonable yield for taking long duration risk. Um, I think the the fallout of deglobalization is, is effectively, you know, that old Japanese narrative, just in time for supply chain. I mm. think it's now moved to just in case if you've got, and I think actually that creates huge jobs at the lower end of the economy and the reduction in the higher end. And that, that plays to your first point about we're seeing job losses in technology and banking. That makes complete sense on de-globalisation. So I think you see warehousing and inventories rise. Treasury, in terms of treasury functions, in terms of current assets and the balance sheets, increase. So there's a huge opportunity for robotics and semiconductors, uh, manufacturing, um, healthcare to some extent. That, that broad trend. You could play that through something like a global robotics ETF, and within that, Nvidia, ABB, Fanuc. Omron um, are all good names. I like cybersecurity here on the back of the globalization and the Russia-China um, politics. So again, I'd look at Palo Alto, CrowdStrike, you know, really good names to look at. I think longer term, I like China here. Um, China, sorry, apologies, Vietnam. I think Vietnam is a 10-year equity story They've really benefited from uh, deglobalization effectively because if you've got a I don't know, warehouse in China and you're a business that offers supply chain or you make solder or you, you have car parts, if you're a CEO, especially an American CEO, I think you look at a second or third hub. And I think Vietnam is one of those hubs. And they, you know, they really, really benefit from this fallout from, uh, from China in a COVID mm-hmm. world.
0: Yeah, talking about NIMS or net interest margins. Next week, we will get DBS results and they'll also give us a picture into the loans growth pipeline. So lots to watch out for down the road. We've been chatting with Christopher Forbes. He is the head of CMC Invest Singapore. Chris, thank you so much for your time this morning. Thank you very much for having me. Before acting on the information on Money FM, please consider if it's suitable for your own investment objectives, financial situation, and risk tolerance.